Hey y'all, it's Janice. Welcome to the Dirty Diversity Podcast. This is a place where we will be exploring equity, racism, and diversity. I am a DEI consultant, educator, writer, and professor who strives to center my work around the liberation of Black folks globally. More specifically, I examine and unpack how we can create structures that support the most marginalized folks in the workplace. This is a podcast where I will share my thoughts on all things diversity, equity, inclusion, racism, anti-racism, and Black liberation. My goal is to stimulate your mind and shift you to think in a way that you've never considered before. This podcast will feature my thoughts as well as the perspectives of different folks doing related work. If you want to learn more, pick up my best-selling books, Dirty Diversity and the Pink Elephant, where I explore workplace equity in more detail. Thank you for listening. Hey, y'all. Jay Nice on the mic. Um, back with another episode of the Dirty Diversity podcast. Um, it is super late, so I'm trying to be very quiet as I'm recording this. I um, wanted to stay true to my commitment of getting episodes out every Monday. Um, another thing is I'm really hoping that I can get this episode out by Monday morning. Um, the platform where I host uh, my podcast actually had a cyber attack that happened so they sent an email basically saying there may be glitches on the website so I'm recording this you know late at night um, and I'm hoping to get it up by Monday morning Um, but if it's not up by Monday morning if whenever you're listening to this it wasn't up early Monday morning then that's what it was it was the cyber attack but um, in any case I'm here And I'm excited about today's episode, which focuses on or asks the question, begs the question, what does a workplace that centers Black folks look like? So this is actually a topic that I will be exploring on Clubhouse. As y'all know, and as I talk about a lot on here, I am really enjoying the new audio-based app called Clubhouse. And every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, I co-moderate a conversation about different topics. And this week and for the last four weeks, um, we've been uh, hosting a conversation on um, normalizing blackness, centering blackness. And this Tuesday, February 23rd is the last installment of the conversation where we will be discussing what does a workplace that centers black folks look like. So a few housekeeping items before we get into today's episode. Um, So for those of you who have um, gotten my new books, Dirty Diversity and the Pink Elephant, I ask that you write a review on Amazon. It's super easy. You just go to the Amazon app 
or go to the website wherever you log into Amazon and leave a review. I ask that y'all do this because as an independent author that doesn't have a publishing company behind me, it really helps with the visibility of my book. So if you read the book, um, you know, regardless of how you felt about it, I really, really would encourage you to leave a review. Um, I do plan on publishing more books in the near future. So any feedback that you leave me on Amazon, um, or you can email it to me at dirtydiversitypodcast at gmail.com. Any feedback you give me will help for the upcoming books. Um, Another thing that I wanted to just mention is that there is a link to the Clubhouse conversation that I am hosting this Tuesday, February uh, 23rd. Um, which is actually one month for my birthday. My birthday is March 23rd, so it's right around the corner, but there's a link to the Clubhouse conversation in the show notes. Um, I would love for y'all to tap in. Um, For those of you listening who do identify as Black, you are invited to join the stage. For those of you who do not identify as Black, whether you are non-Black people of color or white folks, um, you're definitely encouraged to come into the room as well. Uh, So I think those are all the housekeeping items. So let's get into today's episode. So um, I have been, I love books, but I just find that I don't have enough time these days to read physical books. And I promise y'all this is not an ad. Although if any reps from Audible want to sponsor this podcast, I am so open to it. But I have an Audible subscription. I get Audible books um, a lot. And so this month I'm listening to um, an Angela Davis book, Freedom is a Constant Struggle. Super good book. Um, I'm really, really enjoying it so far. It's my first time reading it. And um, so one of the things that she talked, she's talking about in the book is the importance of not focusing on changing individuals and not focusing on the individual racism, but really putting an emphasis on and starting to imagine or reimagine rather how we change the systems. I started to think about for this episode, I started to think about what does systemic change look like in the workplace, but not just systemic change, but more specifically, systemic change that centers black well-being. And um, the reason I think it's important to think about it from this context, and I think I mentioned this last week in last week's episode, but um, I um, read this past summer, I read the book Cast by Isabel Wilkerson, super good book, came out, I believe, in August. And she talks about how uh, the U.S. has a caste system. And if you think about the United States as a caste system, um, the uh, black Americans would be considered at the bottom of the caste. So I think if we want to decenter whiteness and create more equitable spaces, we have to focus on the most marginalized folks, which are black black people, but more specifically black women. Um, so I asked myself in thinking about in thinking about the most marginalized folks, I'm a black woman, what does centering blackness in the workplace look like and what does a workplace that centers black people and our needs look like? So I started to think about it and um, 
you know, one of the things that uh, Angela Davis was saying in the book is that our analysis of racism has to go beyond individuals. So like she, in the book, she used the example of um, Ferguson. And while we were waiting for the verdict to come out uh, during Ferguson to see whether um, the folks that were involved, the cops that were involved in in the death of, in the murder of Michael Brown would be indicted. While we were waiting to find out the verdict, um, more black people were dying at the hands of police. And how, you know, she was just saying, in the event that, you know, in all these cases where black people are murdered by the police, if we focus so heavily on, you know, whether this particular cop or these groups of cops will get indicted, and we think that that is actually what's going to bring us justice, that's a little bit misguided in that um, even if the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor um, were, you know, were arrested, even if um, were, were charged with murder, even if the cops involved in Michael Brown or Trayvon Martin or all of these innocent black people were indicted, it's not going to change the system. You know, and I think that sometimes we focus so much on the justice that we feel will be brought if the cop that, that you know, shot Breonna Taylor was, was um, charged or if any of these folks were charged. But um, she brings up a really good point in the book. So I would definitely encourage y'all to read it. Again, it's called Freedom is a Constant Struggle. Um, so I started to think about and write down um, answers to this question of what is a workplace that centers black folks look like. So for those of you who are attending tomorrow's clubhouse, I'm going to talk about these a little bit, but really the purpose of the clubhouse is to invite you all and other people to reimagine a workplace that centers black folks and what that looks like. Um, so I'm going to talk about my ideas of what that would look like. And this is all from personal experience. Um, so when thinking about this question of what does a workplace that centers black folks look like, um, the first thing that I wrote down was policies and practices that take my feelings and needs into consideration. So, um, you know, there's a number of policies and practices that since I've been working in or when I was working in mostly white spaces, a lot of these policies and practices and things that I was asked did not take black people in general into consideration. Um, another thing, so I guess a kind of like um, coming off of that idea or what does that look like or what does that mean to not take uh, my feelings and needs into consideration. Well, um, even the structure of how meetings are conducted. I feel like a lot of workplaces, um, the way that meetings are conducted is that it's kind of like an open, open sort of um, dialogue where if you have ideas, if you have contributions, you jump in and you offer your contributions. But I think for individuals um, who are from marginalized groups, who are from underrepresented backgrounds, I find that, or, and in the past, I found that in a lot of 
mostly white spaces, it's really, really hard sometimes to get your points and your thoughts across because people talk over you. And I think people don't, in a lot of cases, they don't do it um, purposefully. It's not malicious. People do it subconsciously and unconsciously where you're saying something, they don't value what you're saying or they don't. F- they feel like what they have to say is more important, so they talk over you. This happens you know, I know every woman of color listening to this and more specifically every black woman listening to this, I know can relate because I struggle with wanting to assert myself more because of this angry black woman stereotype that is placed on on black women. So if I'm talking over someone who interrupted me, it can come off differently for me than um, for like my white counterparts. So um, even in when I'm in business meetings, when I'm meeting with clients, you know, these sorts of things happen. Um, so I think that creating a structure or a system so that everyone can get their point across would be just one of the ways that I think a workplace could center the most marginalized and could center black people. One suggestion that I make to some of my clients is introducing something called the round robin technique where you give each person in the meeting a certain amount of time to talk and it's easier in person. Sometimes you have like an object that you use and you pass the object around and no one is supposed to speak if they don't have the object. So in a COVID, in a post-COVID world, that is really, really challenging. Um, But I think that introducing and implementing some sort of system where each person has an opportunity to contribute. Maybe it's 30 seconds, maybe it's a minute. I think, you know, workplaces should introduce that because that happens a lot. It's a microaggression where people are getting talked over, people are getting their their contributions are getting overlooked, and it might seem super benign and super small, but it builds up and over time, it can make a person feel excluded, othered. Um, it can make them wanna leave the company because they feel like they're not being valued, their contributions are not being uh, valued. Um, another, another sort of way that I conceptualize a workplace that centers black folks is um, not asking us for unpaid labor. Um, I speak with, in the work that I do, I speak with a lot of folks of color, um, a lot of black folks, and it always seems like, um, especially as of late, people of color and black folks in particular are asked to do so much unpaid labor, where we are asked to be on committees, we're asked to do extra diversity work that is outside of the scope of our job and because we're trying to move up in the company we want to do all of these extra things but it's like that stuff can get super duper duper exhausting and I had to be really intentional in the past about um, asserting myself and saying I am not doing x I am not doing y I am not doing z these are extra things on top of my role, um, which are not adding to my role or bringing value to me or helping me to be a better employee because I'm dividing my attention and energy on these irrelevant tasks. So, you know, I would say number two would be not asking black folks for unpaid labor. Um, And so, 
another sort of another way that I conceptualize what a workplace that centers black folks looks like is taking more opportunities to understand black folks. I cannot tell you how many people I've interacted with in different workplace settings that have very little understanding of the black experience. And obviously you're not going to 100% understand what it feels like to be a black person if you're not a black person, but it's like even taking the initiative to to read books outside of slavery and um, just black trauma and black pain and black harm, even just watching, you know, I talked about this, I believe in last week's episode, but even watching films about black people that are focused on black love and black happiness, like even doing things like that. Um, I've spoken with managers who, you know, found it, found it absurd that employees took an extra amount of time off following the killing, the murder of George Floyd. And it's like, I don't understand why you expected this project to be completed in the weeks following the killing of George Floyd when everyone is navigating the pandemic and now this sort of um, racial injustice has just been brought to the spotlight and reminded Black people of the continued trauma that they experience in this country and abroad. So I think um, I would say it should be mandatory to learn about the Black experience, to find out more, uh, to take the initiative. And I think that centering Black people and the needs of Black people in the workplace is really going to take a large part of it in the workplace takes education, takes understanding. And I think again, that people are very me-centered and me-focused. People are not community-focused. And um, they don't, a lot of people don't take the initiative to learn about groups and and cultures outside of their own. And I think outside of the anti-racism books that people have been running out to buy, which most of those anti-racism books center white people and white feelings and not the experiences of black folks, Uh, You know, I think that there's still a lack of understanding. So I would love to see workplaces that focus on and center the black experience, because, again, if you want to create equity in your workplace, you have to focus on the most marginalized groups, which are black people. I would also say as a sidebar, I think that every company, every organization, every institution should have some sort of training and workshops on microaggressions. And um, a um, I spoke with a therapist that I had the opportunity to interview, uh, Farah Harris. Um, I'll leave the interview that I did with her in the show notes. And she told me she doesn't use the term microaggressions. I'm forgetting the term she said she used, but I think microaggressions um, sort of implies that the that the behaviors are minor or minute or are less sort of egregious than they actually are. But I think that people need more understanding on microaggressions and what they can look like for black folks because they happen so much, you know, they happen so often that it's obvious to me that a lot of non-black people lack the understanding um, and the language and the just 
the understanding to really know what microaggressions are and how often they are engaging in microaggressions. And I think, you know, a lot of this could be resolved and understood if white folks and non-black people of color were taking the initiative to learn about and understand the experiences of black people. So, you know, just to kind of review, you know, the question that I was asking in this uh, podcast episode was, what does a workplace that centers black folks look like? And I encourage you to think about this question with the reason being that if you want more equity, you have to center uh, the most marginalized folks and decenter um, white folks. So I hope that y'all enjoy this episode. Um, again, my goal is to get this up. Hopefully, you'll be listening to this in the wee hours of um, the morning, um, East Coast time. But whenever you listen to this podcast, for those of you who tap in and tune in on Mondays, hopefully it'll you know be up on time. And I'm going to put positive energy out there. Um, I'm going to be optimistic where we are out of Mercury retrograde, which I'm super happy about because as some of you may know, a lot of weird and wonky things happen during retrograde, um, a lot of which being technology related things. So I'm just glad we're at a retrograde. Um, And I think that's where I'm going to leave off today's episode. Again, if you enjoyed this conversation, um, tap in live to the clubhouse. Um, if you have Clubhouse, if you have the app, um, Tuesdays, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard, 3 p.m. Pacific, where we will be talking about what is a workplace that centers black folks look like. So thank y'all so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to rate the podcast if you are listening on iTunes. Um, That's where I'm going to leave off. I hope you all have an amazing week. This is the last week of Black History Month. It's a very busy week for me. Um, Lots of speaking engagements and workshops and stuff. Um, But I'm excited to enter uh, Women's History Month, which begins in March and my birthday month. Um, So with that, I will um, bid you all adieu and um, I will check y'all out in the next episode.